Kids Comics. And here are your hosts, Michael and Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And you know what it is? It's Christmas. La, 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 la. It's like we rehearsed this <laughs> level of professionalism. That you've come to expect yeah. from this show. Yeah, hello, everybody. To quote Slade, it is indeed Christmas. It is. And it is actually, what is it? The 25th of December, 2023, 11.31am. This is early. As we record this episode. There you go, time stamped it. Future <laughs> historians who are slightly... Who will no doubt. Who will be listening to this. Who are baffled by our recording process. Yeah. In that the last couple of episodes, the last of which you only heard four days ago, was recorded months ago, <laughs> before we went to Thought Bubble. Mm. Because in that episode, which I'm sure you listened to, right? oh, I listened to excellent all of them. So you do remember our discussion of uh, battle action and how we discussed how I yeah. would have had it in Asda and on what's yes, yes, yes. Well, that was recorded before we went to Thought Bubble, mm-hmm. and we went to Thought Bubble, the uh, international northern convention. Yeah, lots of comic conventions have a north. <laughs> and we chatted to the guys from 2000 AD. Well, you chatted at them. <laughs> telling, t- telling them put this in Asda but he told us yeah. why that can't be done yes um, I still think it's bogus that Asda do that Yeah. but he basically said Asda don't want us it's not that they've not tried and then yeah. when you get to see the other side of that and you get to hear people say look we do try to get these in as many venues as possible the venues just don't want them Asda don't want us Yeah. and I don't know why Asda don't want them I mean, maybe Asda doesn't appeal to people that read. <laughs> well, it's entirely possible because Tesco carry two thousand AD. They do. Sainsbury's carry two thousand AD. Yeah. Aldi doesn't have anything in there that can be considered readable. And you always get uh, from the Daily Mail. So I, know, I stand by what I just said. I know W H Smiths always has the little war comics at the bottom. Sorry, it's W H S now, yes, isn't it? Well, which, we don't have one of them anymore. Which doesn't scream of of selling out or being bought out at any point. No, no, but we don't have a W H Smiths anymore. Sorry, a W H S. Wigan does not know. We now uh, they closed it down. Oh, that was a big one as well. And it was a big one, yeah. So our nearest W H Smiths is would it, would that be? Is the one in like Preston or Leyland or something like that? No idea. So oh, that, I don't. So that's definitely being bought out soon then. Yeah. So 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 we we did chat to them, and they do try to get these things in as many venues as possible. It isn't for want of trying, but the supermarkets don't want them. Yeah. Which depresses me. But that's what they're up against, sadly. Anyway, we're together again for Christmas. We are. La, la, as la, always. La, 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 la. Do do. Should we do Christmas wrapping? But I only know the beginning. Bah, oh, humbug. No, that's too strong. I, it's my favourite holiday. I only know the Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Apparently, you don't even know that. Well, that's it. I only know the Merry Christmas bits. Anyway, if you've listened to us for any length of time, God forbid. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> we apologise for that. You know that this episode is purely about swag. Yeah. And what we got for Christmas off our many and varied loved ones. Mm-hmm. And relatives and people who just chuck stuff at us in the street. Whoever that person may be. First of all, though, do you know what I need to do? What do you need? This is going to, to make for absolutely cracking podcasting. I am going to have a look how many people bought us a coffee. Okay. And I am going to split that money with you live on the air. I'm not going to transfer it live on her because that would be well, that's absolutely terrible. That's very generous. 
but uh, I need to go to PayPal. So as you all know, because I beat you over the head with it, we set up Ko-Fi, buy us a drink. It's the least you can do. Uh, and we drink a lot. <laughs> we, we, yes, especially at Christmas. And we have £58.80p wow. in our PayPal. Wow. And that is all purely people who bought us a coffee. Well, thank so you all very much. let's have a look who bought us a coffee. Ben Rush bought us one. Thank you very much, Ben. I mean, some people may have chose to remain anonymous, and now it's spinning the little donut of death before it tells me who else gave us anything. Richard thought, no. Nuano Dotto, he bought us a coffee. Dave Gutierrez bought us a coffee. Steve Ransom bought us a coffee. Uh, that's me getting paid for other stuff. Dirty Deeds done dirt cheap. There's a couple of other people here, but they use bizarre names, so I don't know who they are. But anyway, if you bought us a coffee, fur play to you, and I'll split that with you as well. Oh, thank so you all very much. That's, what, 28 quid each? Yeah. So there you go. There's a it's another little Christmas there's treat a, there. A couple of coffees. Yeah. Or a pint. <laughs> in the northern quarter. Yeah. In the northern quarter. <laughs> yeah. So thank you very much. Uh, I will split that with my co colleague of Lethal Cunning. That will be you. And But it's all still there. You buy a New Year's drink. It's New Year's Eve's coming up. How else to show your appreciation? That's a buy us a pint on New Year's. This is this is the audio equivalent of of opening up your buttocks. <laughs> this is me doing Bob Geldof. Give us money. Except I am not a rich man telling you to give yeah me your money, even though I am a rich man. <laughs> if I were a rich man, anyway, uh, we've got an email that pertains to Christmas. So if you have sent us an email, which a couple of people have, uh, many thanks. Uh, we're not missing you out. We're going to read this one though because it mentions Christmas. And it's from Regan Jew. And Regan says, hi, Andy and Michael. Hi, Regan. One, what did you guys... Oh, he's straight into it. Yeah. Oh, no, I've missed a line. You are? Uh, I just listened to your episode on battle action. And it got me thinking of a couple of World War II things. Number one, what did you guys think of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? I enjoyed parts of the film, like the World War II sequence and seeing the legacy characters. What took me out of the movie was an ever new character would dominate a scene over Indy. It confused me because Disney was marketing it as Indy's final adventure. So if that's the case, I was expecting Indy and other legacy characters to play bigger roles than the newer characters. This was a similar reaction I had to Disney Star Wars trilogy, but there's certainly more to like in Dial of Destiny than in Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. I get a certain perverse enjoyment from the Rise of Skywalker. Dear, there's enough time passed now. Yeah, in the, I still think it is the worst Star Wars film mm-hmm. ever made. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worse than the Phantom Menace. Oh, I love the Phantom Menace. Oh, there you go. Um, but there is something about the Rise of Skywalker that you can put it on in that way that you know bad movies can be enjoyable. Okay, yeah. And watch it and just giggle along at stuff like dark magics, Sith <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You're going to explain that a bit more later, then. No, nope. no, we're not. So. Um, if I angle this at exactly the right place where we just happen to crash. Also, the Death Star rubble in the ocean has not so moved it. since the dagger was made. But if I position it in just the right place, it'll point to exactly where the Emperor's throne room is. Isn't that lucky? The Emperor's throne room, which was also in a tower? I, I, it's, yeah. I've not seen it in a while, but it wouldn't be out of place on mystery science fiction. No, I, I think you can have a lot of fun with the audio commentaries that me. But at the end of the day, I can still enjoy it. And I can still watch it and enjoy it, even though I know it is absolutely terrible. Well, I think as well, divorced from the excitement of the new and last big Star Wars film. Since Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And since Return of the Jedi. Yeah. 
Now it's never going to end. It's it's one of those things that like a new Star Wars for those three Star Wars films, even for for Rogue One and Solo, it was like sight and see Star Wars film in the cinema, and I think that film single handedly killed that excitement of it. So now. I suppose now rewatching that without the burden that it had of being the new big Star Wars. And having to wrap up a bunch of story threads that they never had any interest in wrapping up in the first place. And a bunch of story threads that they had to course correct from the yeah. much better and competent film that had much more to say. But they didn't have the guts to actually follow mm. up on that film. No. So so anyway, so there's a certain level of enjoyment that can now be gained from the rise of Skywalker. It's mostly laughing at it. Yeah. But um, as for Dial of Destiny, I'm, I'm going to be... segue. I'm going to be quite controversial here. You think? As I usually am. I really enjoyed Dial of Destiny. How many times have you seen it there? Twice. How have you seen it again yeah. since? Yeah. I really like it. I really like what it does. But I think Crystal Skull is a better Indiana Jones film. Ooh. A, I think Crystal Skull's perfectly fine anyway. I like Crystal Skull. I think it, it meanders a bit in the exposition bit in the middle. Right. Whereas all the other Indiana Jones films have had that same ex- exposition bit in the middle, but handled it better. Yeah, but I like it. It's Spielberg. Mm. Even Spielberg directing a mediocre to poor film is still a Spielberg film. Harrison Ford is still having fun with it, playing it as a comedy. Mm. It's still a fun Indiana Jones film. Dial of Destiny, as good as it is, and whether this is due to it being written and directed by other people, is never fun or is never as fun harrison ford isn't playing it as a slapstick comedy anymore and all of these little differences make it stand apart from the other four for what i I don't think for the better it's a good film it's a good wrap-up it's bold of what they did with the ending which works better i think on rewatches but i don't think it holds up as an indiana jones film compared to the other four see i can disagree with you Right, okay. In the cinema, as yeah. you remember, when they were doing the whole, and we can't really say what they do, just in case, because it has only just landed on Disney yeah. Plus. But so we're when, not going to. When you think they're not going to. Yeah. And I was thinking they are going to rather than they're not going to. Yeah. And that last act genuinely had the ed- on, my, on the edge of my seat <laughs> because other... I was very. Are they actually doing what they, I think they're doing and are they going to follow through on it? Uh, which they did. Yes. The only letdown is him just how he acts towards mm. that bit. Yeah. I think that's a bit out of character. Mm. But yeah, no, they they did it. It was bold and they stuck to the guns. But I just think the whole thing, it's a better film on its own. It's a much better, it's a better film on its own than it is a good film as a whole with the rest of the series. Yeah. I don't know. I I think there is an aura of melancholy to it, mm. which you're right. Harrison Ford isn't playing it for lols anymore. Which is a shame because there was a lot of joy in seeing how much fun he's having. But also he's now playing a man who's lost a lot. Yes. And the scene where they mention what happened in between films with mm. Shia LaBeouf, whatever he's called. That was actually yeah, one of quite a, a, a really good see a performance of his as well. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 good, but I just kind of felt watching this and even re-watching it at the time, um, I just kind of felt like it didn't kind of, didn't feel like the rest, whereas Crystal Skull at least felt like an Indiana Jones film. Right, okay. And... I don't know. I watched it. This we watched it at the cinema. We did. I thoroughly enjoyed it at the cinema. Mm-hmm. 
on second viewing, I kind of had the reverse right. viewing experience that you had. Uh, yeah, I think I joined it. I mean, to be fair, there were issues out of my control the first time I watched it that oh, might have hindered yeah. my enjoyment. That ending, let's be honest, they signpost it. The entire film yeah. is about time. Oh, and, and the passing of time. And the watch and yeah. the hieroglyph and the dragon with propellers. Yeah. And yeah. That's the thing on second view, you see just how much they're signposting. No, we're going to do this. Yeah. And... and I don't think it's any more outlandish than the Ark of the Covenant exists. Yeah. And aliens exist. This is this is a lot of people again complain about the Crystal Skull having aliens in it. So well, let's be completely honest. In the context of Indiana Jones, there is a portal to a hellish dimension, and it proves that the God does exist. Yeah. You can't. You in know, Indiana Jones, God exists. You, you can't really call it a aliens. You know what? So none of that really bothers me now. Once they've, you've got past that. Yeah. This does exist. Yeah. And if you're going to limit what does exist, yeah. that's kind of limiting your imagination a bit. Well, kind of um, slightly related as well, the Uncharted video games, which mm. are very influenced by Indiana Jones and those kind of pulps and that kind of thing. The first three games are very much Indiana Jones, and then one of them, he goes to an underground Nazi base where there's loads of zombies left in there. The third one, uh, they find uh, Shambhala, and there's loads of monsters protecting it. And the third one, there's like pirate ghosts and not pirate ghosts. Mm. I just, there's always those elements of supernatural. And then the fourth one, which wraps it up, was written by the same guys who wrote The Last of Us. Nothing supernatural in it. And it stands apart for the wrong reason because you're in this world, you accept that these are real people, but there also are monsters as well. And that right. makes it interesting. Right. So with Indiana Jones, yeah, why wouldn't you be okay with all of these things happening? It's just. I mean, the complaints I saw about it were the superficial stuff. Stuff. Right. There wasn't enough whip cracking action. Who cares? There wasn't hidden temples. Yeah. And that kind of thing. And I'm like, but that's not what this one was going for. For better or worse, as you articulated, this one was going for serious discussions on loss yeah. and aging and the passage of time. And that very much smells like I've already made up my mind about this film, but I have to make up reasons why. Hmm. Oh, possibly, I don't know. But there were some of the criticisms I saw of it that I, I kind of didn't agree with. Yeah. That's judging it on what it didn't have in it. That's well, exactly, not judging yeah, it yeah. on what it presented to you. Yeah. Now, you can say I was disappointed with it because it didn't have these traditional elements of an Indiana Jones film. Yeah. But did the, do those things being in it make it, what make it, is. it an yeah. Indiana Jones film? And I, I, don't know, I don't know. I suppose that's up to individual interpretation. Well, yeah, I think I think Dial of Destiny is a better film than The Rise of Skywalker. I yeah. actually, <laughs> well, yeah. well, all right, let's not damn it with faint praise. I think Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is a better film than any of the Star Wars sequels. Oh, and also, this weekend should have seen the release of Rogue Squadron. <laughs> someone, someone posted because, that on Twitter that it should have come out this weekend. Because now would have been a perfect time for uh, a Gal Gadot-led film. Oh no, she's not in it. Fighter pilot. She wasn't going to be in it. Oh, it's, it was she not directed it? by Patty Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't think the Dial of Destiny stands anywhere near the other ones. Uh, Last Jedi. You know, it's saying that it's better than all the Star Wars. There's a thematic similarity to them both. They're both dealing with aging heroes who are looking back upon a life of where they've made their mistakes. But I feel like Ryan Johnson with The Last Jedi was bold enough to point out what those mistakes are and to signify that this is this yeah, needs to happen. Because ultimately, Indy's loss 
can't really be laid at his feet. Exactly, and I think The Last Jedi is made really by the scene with Luke and Yoda where he goes, we are what they move beyond. Luke's still there is made by somebody who watched and understood a lot of what the prequels were leaving in between the lines. And I th- that the Jedi fucked up. Yeah, but I also think that Indiana Jones can never do that. Indiana Jones is an ending where The Last Jedi... Uh, every point unless you massively misunderstood what that film was saying the last jedi was signposting this is a fresh start this is a fresh start you can be an orphan child in slavery but and come uh, at the end of that film they didn't leave you anywhere to go Just, yeah i mean they left you lots of places to go there's a lot to be said about media literacy nowadays mm. uh <laughs> unfortunately but yeah Okay, another Disney decision that I don't quite understand continues, Regan, is that it limited the release of the soundtrack on CD. I heard a lot of complaints about this, actually. Right. This is not good for older fans that prefer physical media over streaming because it's most likely John Williams' last film, film score. Mm. That was that that's a genuine complaint. But within like a week of it being released, it was being flogged on eBay for like 15,000. Yeah. We could almost buy our own ship for that. Who'd fly it, kid, are you? I bet I could. I'm a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and listen to this. Um, so that's genuine. I don't know why they made that decision. Well, I know it was, it was a limited release. It was pointed out as well because we both follow the artist who did a lot of the promotional stuff. I forgot his name mm. now. But he did loads of it for all sorts of different forms of media, for all sorts of styles of poster. Drew Strazan? No, no, it was someone else. Right. Um, but even he was saying he's, he was commissioned to do so much work, but they weren't actually release and physical he media a really brilliant poster didn't he that they didn't they he didn't did, use he, he did loads he, he was churning them out because they commissioned them to do it for literally every single form oh. of media but they just never did anything with yeah. it yeah. and he was saying why have i done seven different covers for uh, uh for the soundtrack when you've only released one yeah and like and the, the only thing i can think of there is they deliberately did that to sell out and make the money yeah. and they're going to release like an extended version of the letter date oh which one of the Star Wars films still doesn't have an extended edition soundtrack? I don't know. Is it Attack of the Clones? But is it not also because famously the musicians uh, get paid significantly less from the streaming, streaming than they do from physical media? Well, it now, is Disney. I don't want to say that Disney, the evil faceless conglomerate that it is, is trying to keep all the money that it possibly can. But but... We're all evil faceless conglomerate. <laughs> Let's not signal Disney out as being an evil empire when they all are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, number two, did you guys cover either of Garth Ennis's two Rifle Brigade three-issue miniseries for DC on the original incarnation of Hey Kids? I'm not sure the current DC would ever publish stories like that today. Oh, they wouldn't. But we didn't because, we didn't. to me, that was lesser Ennis. Okay. That was treating war as dad's army. And you only get two Ennises. You've yeah. got to be very careful with it. Yeah. So we, we haven't covered that. Re- go back and look at it at a later point. But uh, as of this recording, we've not looked at Adventures in the Rifle Brigade. But more Ennis will be coming when his James Bond series finishes. Okay. That's what we're doing. Oh, an excellent segue. Yeah. We are good at this. We're boss. <laughs> so professional. I hope the Leyland family has a Merry Christmas and I look forward to the Christmas episode. It's like an old giant size annuals. <laughs> <laughs> well, as if by magic, yeah. we will segue though into what we got for Christmas. Oh, right. Uh, do you want to go first, then? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. So I suppose just to kind of clear up some space. Um, these are uh, from uh, Dana. So um, continuing my very expensive hobby uh, from last year. I got a couple of... how you got an expensive hobby after you bought a house. 
Oh, I know. Well, I got it just before, but, you know, timing. Timing was perfect. So these are some Gundam models, some Gunpla. If you don't know what Gundam is, stay tuned for a <laughs> our next episode. Next episode. Um, but yeah, so I've got the Master Grade. So this is quite a bigger one. 1-100 one, scale of the Hyakushiki from Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, uh, which is my favourite show. Uh, so this one's very cool. This one's a shiny gold, piloted by not Char Aznable, but Quattro Bagina, his alias, uh, after the Xeon Empire goes under. His words do actually sound like they make sense, but you, the you order in which you're using it. them. Because you started reading it. In fact, this character, the last time I got my haircut, in fact, the time I got my haircut this time as well, I just showed him a picture of Char Aznable. Quattro yeah. Bagina said, make me look like that, so... Uh, he, he did. Uh, but yeah, this one's pretty cool. Uh, Zeta Gundam's probably my favourite of the Gundam shows so far. It's just Blake 7 and ends equally as bleak. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, sweetie. Spoiler, but yeah, it's a really cool, uh, really cool one. But yeah, Master Grade, so it's one of the bigger, more detailed ones. Uh, uh, but I also have here from Dana as well. Let's just move that there. Uh, Gunpla Coon. So Gunpla Coon is the Gunpla mascot to encourage more children mm. uh, to get into the hobby of Gundam. Uh, so there's loads of cartoons and adverts all featuring Gunpla Coon. Now what this is, it's the RX-78 Gundam, the iconic one from the, the first Gundam. But it's in... the one you used to have a little model of on the bookshop when you were yeah. when you were very little. But it's the one on the cover from Gundam. It's the first one, the iconic one, as like a little chibi scale. Uh, so it's, it's all very, all very cutesy. Uh, they've made an actual Gundam of it, which is really cute. And one of the best things about this as well is you can build it into two different ways. You can build it into the, the Gundam figure, mm. or you can build it onto the runners where all the pieces come from as well. Uh, so it has a little stand that, that props it up uh, so you can build it however way you want. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a cute, just a cute little one. To go with your big other other one. I was it's... just looking around. I had a what's that? Is my thingy over there? Your what? Oh yeah, there it is. Then I got an Amazon gift voucher off our clock. That's who's my sister. Yeah. That, that's one <laughs> present. Uh, the dogs. Yeah, I'm sure it was the dogs. Bought me a new phone cover because I got a new phone. Okay. Uh, in December, and the only phone cover I currently have on my new phone is a Christmas one. <laughs> Which your mum bought me. Which now, is only good for Christmas. Yeah, that's that's going to go away very soon, isn't it? Yeah. Gene Hendricks just texted us Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Gene. Christmas. <laughs> just, that just happened as we yeah. record live television or whatever this is. Uh, this is a Batman one. So thank yeah. you to the dogs for going out, <laughs> looking through all the phone cases. Yeah, and going, woof. <laughs> and the other one went, woof. And the other one went, woof. And woof, 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 and then picking it out with the teeth, going to the person at the checkout and going woof, woof. And then and laying then, down oh, the hard-earned cash. Yeah, and laying down the hard-earned money that the dogs earn. <laughs> uh, apparently, we've been joined by the St. Williford School Choir. So thank you very much to the dogs for <laughs> my, uh, my brand new phone case. But my first legit present... Mm -hmm. Which you, did not, which you did not know. I did not like. know I was getting this. <laughs> he lied. Um, I would have is... loved for it to have not actually bought you this. <laughs> See, I suppose we should give some context. Shall we? Right. Angela was having trouble with something on Amazon. And she was flicking through it. And she said, why is this not working for me? And she gave me the phone 
that told me that she'd bought this, <laughs> right, okay. which is the complete remastered series of Babylon 5. Anyway, I am excited because it has been remastered and regenerated and remixed properly, unlike the DVDs, which I bitched and moaned about all the time when you were a kid. So it's been that long since they've done one of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've never remastered it so for it's HD. Then, yes, new... they remastered it for HD as part of HBO Max in right. America. Okay. And I, as far as I am aware, and I, you know, if anyone knows any different, correct me. It has not been shown in HD over here, right? Until this Blu-ray release, because HBO Max isn't a streaming service over here, is it? No. I thought it may have shown up like Amazon Prime or or Netflix or whatever, but it hasn't thus far. So Angela bought it. It's bare bones. There yeah. is literally nothing on here but the pilot episode, the remastered pilot episode that Jay Straczynski redid and re-edited and re-scored. All right, okay. When the show went to a new network, because he didn't like the original pilot. Right. He thought it was slow and clunky and badly edited, so he went back and he re-edited it. Okay, so do you get both or just the directors? Just cut? the directors. Oh, well, producers cut, really, yeah, technically. Yeah. So you get that, and then all five seasons of the show, none of the other movies or anything like that. Some people have been bitching and moaning about that. that I'm is, not one of them. That it's not a complete collection. Yeah, but, but by and large, I don't think any of those movies are any good, with the exception of uh, In the Beginning. Yeah. And In the Beginning's only good retroactively, because it's, well, all right, we had to change our lead actor after season one for reasons that became apparent many years later. It wasn't right. just he was fired. Right. He was ill. So they brought in Bruce Boxliner, and then that became that necessitated a story of like, well, okay, what was Captain Sheridan doing during the Battle of the Line, which right. was the big Earth Mimbari final conflict? So that's the only one that, that is really any good. I suppose for your completionists and your diehard fans, a yeah. complete collection would have been nice. Yeah, they're going to want those additional, but for me, none of those additional movies matter or are important or are even any good. Apart right. from so yeah. I'm not bothered. I am a little bothered that they've not ported across any of the special features, of mm -hmm. which there were many on the DVD releases, or any of the commentary tracks, right. of which there were many. Okay. A lot of them, obviously, by the creator, J. Michael Straczynski. I don't understand why that's not a thing. Mm. But in terms of a bare-bones, not-that-expensive release for an entire five-year series... It's been remastered. I've watched the beginning of The Gathering, which was the pilot, and the beginning of the first episode, Midnight in the Firing Line. Even your mum, who couldn't give a toss <laughs> about HD and 4K yeah. and all that stuff, even she's watching it going, this looks better than when it was on TV. Yeah. So they've, and this time it's in 4x3. Right. Because the problem with the DVD releases was they released it in 16 by 9 And cropped it. But the live-action footage was shot in 16 by 9 Okay. But the special effects footage was not. Yeah. So to make it all 16 by 9, they zoomed and cropped the special effects footage. Right. Which made it look like shit. And because it's early CG anyway. So you'd literally cut from live action footage that looked pretty good to an outside the station sequence that looked blocky and pixelated. Yeah. By making it all back in 4 by 3 they've essentially got rid of that problem. Yeah. And you've just got to give a pass to the special effects nowadays. Just, it is what yeah. it is. It is what it is. Yeah, exactly right. It was the first show to really pioneer CGs as a constant special effects. Yeah. You know, none of the other none of the Star Trek shows were doing that. I mean, we must point out that it used a lot of techniques that Doctor Who was using 20 years earlier. Yeah. But I suppose as well, like, it's not as popular as or it would have costed too much to warrant what they did for Star Trek. Yeah. 
I think they've made the right decision to just release this as a bare-bones release for decent. If you bought all the DVDs, you've got all those special features. Yeah. If, like me, you were disappointed with the DVD releases and therefore sold them on, right. I've got what I want, which is the shows. The yeah. commentaries are nice, particularly the Straczynski ones. It would be nice to have him do some now, now that he can be a bit more open and honest about the reasons he may have to make some changes. Right. Certainly like Michael O'Hare's departure. My big problem with this... My God, this packaging is shit. <laughs> it's like, honestly, the I mean, the exterior packaging is okay. It's a bit flimsy, but it's fine. It, it is what but it the is. The actual box, you open it, right, and literally the discs are stacked two. To oh, a really? You, That's wild. discs on there, look. Shit, isn't it? Yeah. So the first available opportunity I have, I am going out. I'm going to go to a cheap shop and I'm going to buy a bunch of DVD cases and put them in proper cases so the discs don't get scratched. And if I do it properly, I'll still be able to make them fit in this box. But that was my first present. Babylon 5, the complete series on Blu-ray. And I'm very very much looking forward to watching all of that again and re-watching season 5 for the very first time since it heard. Oh, right. Because it, I, did because it season, suck? Or... Season 5 sucked. Right. Season 4, you know he's... Thing, wasn't it? He had this five-year story arc. Yeah. He was going to tell it over five seasons. At the end of four seasons, it all collapsed, syndicated TV. Right. And it didn't look like he was going to get a fifth season. So we wrapped the show up. Okay. Finished it. In four. Made a final episode. Yeah. To wrap it all up. And then at the last minute, another network came in and said, we'll buy those four seasons. Yeah. We will fund a season five and a couple of extra movies. Okay. And he went, oh, okay, that's a good deal. <laughs> and then later on, it turned out to not be such a good deal because they slashed filming schedule to five days. Right. Instead of seven. Cut the budget. Yeah. So he couldn't do all the stuff that he wanted to do anywhere. But he was already... And he'd already wrapped the story up. Right. So a lot hmm. of the fifth season is is very, very slow and meandering and dull. Okay. Until you get to like the last four or five episodes where he finally goes, right, I'm going to do the story I was going to do. Yeah. And then obviously the final ever episode is the episode he filmed at the end of season four. Right, okay. Because he'd filmed that final episode, but right. held it back right, right. for the end of season five. Right. Is that not a bit jarring? Yes, because Commander Ivanova leaves. Okay. But she comes back for the final episode, but the final episode takes place 25 years in the future. Okay, right. So it's not as awful as it should have been. Yeah. But and there was a whole thing with why Claudia Christian left. And... Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the fifth season was very, very disappointing. But for four seasons, it is the expanse of the 1990s. Right. Okay. It's very good. I love Babylon 5. It's almost as good as Farscape. Almost. Yeah, I love Farscape. Okay. I've not okay. I've not seen that since you were watching it years ago. Your mum was the one who got into Farscape because yeah. I had to go to work. She right. started watching it with you because it was Muppets in space. <laughs> and then slowly she was the one who went, this show's wackadoodle. I love it. <laughs> right. And I love Farscape now. I wouldn't mind having that on Blu-ray next. But anyway, we digress. That's for another show. What are you doing? Uh, so I'll do this next because I have, well, very little to say about it. This was the biggest surprise from you, uh, which is the, the Prisoner... Uh, <laughs> Shattered Visage graphic novel. Now, I have no idea what this is, um, other than it just being a sequel. So I suppose you should probably take the reins of this. Um, I'm very interested to read it because, you know, I, I like The Prisoner. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything about it. Uh, DC Comics in 1988 right. is a fully licensed, four-issue, prestige format sequel Okay. To the prisoner set in the present day. So set 20 years after the series finished. Right. Uh, Patrick McGoon apparently said, and I quote, 
It wasn't bad. <laughs> right, which the okay. writer took as high praise. Of course, yeah. From Patrick McGowan. Uh, I have the original trade from DC Comics. Right, okay. Michael Bailey sent me that. Oh, right, okay. He sent me that years ago. Yeah. I've got it. I've read it since. Um, but I've put it on the docket for covering because okay. we were going to cover it on the Prisoner show we did, but we never got around to it because Bill Robinson doesn't have all the issues. Right, okay. So we never got around to it. So I want to cover it with you because we both like the show. Yeah. And that was literally in Forbidden Planet sale for £2. Right, okay. So, so I thought, right, I'll get him that. <laughs> and then we both got a copy. Thinking about the show first. Well, <laughs> to say first. <laughs> but I, I am interested in what you think of it because by and large, my opinion is the Prisoner is... That show made at that time with those people, person, yeah, okay. And to do it in any other time wouldn't work. You couldn't do it in the 70s, you couldn't do it in the 50s, you couldn't do it in the 90s because it's it's very much part of the 60s, everything that was going around at that point at the quintessential moment that the 60s is the 60s, 1967 68, right? Because by 69, it starts going off a bit. And starts becoming the 70s. Yeah. And if you go back far enough to like 1963, 64, it's still the 50s. Yeah, right. The actual 60s that you think of as the 60s is basically 1965 to 1968. Yeah. And so much really cool stuff happens in that time. Yeah. Bond's already started. The Beatles have already started. But they become who they are in Around 65, time, yeah. 66. Goldfinger gets released. Yeah. And Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and where Bond goes stratospheric. The Beatles are releasing Sgt. Peppers. Right, And that's yeah. where they go through the roof. And then suddenly you start piecing together what yeah. became The Prisoner. Yeah, and The Prisoner is very much a result of Magoo absorbing living in that time yeah. as someone for whom all that stuff is not being made. And, it's and also, he's in his late 40s at that point. And also American. All of this is inherently British. The yes. Prisoner is inherently British. Yeah. Right. So there's, 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 I'm interested to see what you think about it because of any show ever, yeah, that is the one I think it's not just a case of they can't make that anymore, which well, is they what tried. I think about. Well, yeah, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> but like shows like The Professionals and The Swede, you couldn't yeah. make those anymore. You have to do it like Life on Mars, which yeah. is slightly taking the piss out of it. Yeah, The Prisoner literally, you could. I honestly don't think you could make that show. Without gutting what made it in yeah, the first place. Because the guy who made it didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. And so, it benefited and that, from being different every yeah, week as well. Yeah. And people nowadays would be constantly, well, have you got a plan? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where it ends? Yeah. And it's clear from that last episode, he didn't have a clue how it was going to end. Right. So, I, yes, it was only two quid. And yes, I bought it. Yeah, I'm not so we can cover it on this. But also At least because, you saw the yeah. yeah, but also I am genuinely interested in, as a second generation prisoner fan, yeah. well, technically you're third, because I'm second, because yeah. I wasn't born when that came out. Yeah, true. I came after it in reruns. So you came after it two generations down the line. Yeah. What we both think of it now. Right. So we're go- we are going to cover that at some point. And there's always Kirby's as well, which you've got. Yeah, well, that's, he didn't finish that. No. And it's, and it's literally just an adaptation of the first episode. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a new story. But it's nice to look at his art. Yeah. And go, that's really good. Go <laughs> right, on you next. Uh, all right. Well, I'll do this one. So uh, as I work in libraries now, um, which is just so nice and relaxing, uh, I see a lot of a lot of books and a lot of kind of like 
children's books which are like really well written and well illustrated and it's kind of weird like i've started looking at more children's books going oh that's a really good artist i might have a look more into them and i saw this one it's called <laughs> uh, so he's called john classen he's written a few kind of picture books and children's fiction what age range well this is literally young children but i found this one it's called we found a hat and i thought oh these art style looks really nice and i was flicking through it a little bit and it's about these two tortoises out in the desert and they find a hat uh but there's only one and they both try it on and they both look good in the hat but there's only one and they decide that since they can't share it and they don't want to fight over it they decide to leave it there and um and you know they'll they'll just leave it and it's literally as I get to this page here where one of the other tortoises look like, yeah, we'll forget about it and looks back at the his eyes looking back. I'm reading it going, this is me and Dana. <laughs> and I'm reading it and I'm carrying on reading it. And, you know, it's like, oh, we're watching the sunset. We're going to fall asleep. What are you thinking about? The sunset. What are you thinking about? And he looks back at the hat and goes, nothing. It's like, this is me and Dana. <laughs> um, he goes, he waits for the other one to fall asleep. It's like, oh, you asleep? creeping over to the hat it's like yeah I'm, I'm asleep i'm dreaming it's like what are you dreaming about creeps closer to the hat and he goes uh i'm dreaming about the hat and he just stops he's like we're both wearing hats and he's like oh we're both wearing hats and he goes back and they both dream that they're both wearing hats and it's very cute and happy and i told dana about it and she she bought it so i had my own copy of it just one of those little sweet things it's like yeah the the art on it by john classen's really nice and i've seen quite a few of his stuff come in it's just honestly, man. Children. And then there's a sequel called I Want My Hat Back. And this is not my hat. So much like good art is wasted on children. Like Lauren Child, who did Charlie and Lola, like loads of stuff like it, that. It makes them appreciate it. But yeah, it's just this, this weird thing. It's like I was saying this to Mummy the other week. It made me want to reread my old Spiderwick and Lemony Snicket books. It's like. Well, somebody on Twitter said that um, don't be knocking children's literature. Children's literature is all about wizards and spaces and magic trees and tortoises that can talk. And adult <laughs> literature is about people having an affair and dying. <laughs> I'd rather read kids' stuff. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a cute little one. Just one for the shelf. I find that quite interesting as well. And uh, that leads us on to a tangent mm -hmm. that we were going to discuss. Jared from OK Comics in Leeds recently posted the best-selling books of the year. Right. And this follows into something that's going on at the minute with Mark Miller and comics retailers and all of that stuff. And we've discussed this relatively recent on the show as well. Yeah. So this idea that Marvel and DC aren't performing as well as they used to do. Yeah. And this idea that manga is somehow taking your audience. Well, for the for, for one, you slept on manga. You didn't take manga seriously. And now yeah. look at it. And it was always there as well. It has been yeah. for a long time. Yeah, it's been in uh, for a long time. But it was interesting to look at the best-selling books for this year. Censor uh, it, Life on the Spectrum. It's Lonely at the Edge of the Earth. Centre of the Earth, sorry. That's Zoe Thorogood, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, the Hard Switch, Monica, I Am the Law, Where the Body Was, Starman, The Comic Story of Beer, <laughs> Gotham City Year One, a Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, which is by Rick Remainder. Right. Why Don't You Love Me? Lights, Roaming, Queen in Comics, and A Guest in the House. Now, because of the way he's took the picture, I can't see how many people, which are the authors on these. Mm -hmm. But one, I was quite shocked to see Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' new book, Where the Body Was in the Best Selling Books of the Year. Well, it's been out three days. But if we've noticed anything, they might be the only place who are stocking it at the moment. That's very true. It's available in America. 
America three days before Christmas, but that means it did not get over here. In time for January the 16th. From here, you know why? Why? Because Sean Phillips frequents this comic shop. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he had done them some special end caps and sketches. Yes. So they've probably got copies that he's got from, like his comp copies or whatever. Which is why the, you, you is can why they get them from there it. and no one else. Yeah. Uh, do a powerbomb, which looks like it's about crowd surfing. Uh, Starman <laughs> is about David Bowie. <clears throat> yeah. The only DC book in there is Gotham City Year One by Tom King and Phil Hester. Yeah. And there is not a Marvel book in there at all, is there? No. So they are the best-selling graphic novels of the year. Hmm. At a particularly renowned comic shop in Leeds, which is a relatively big northern town. I mean, it's not London. It's also uh, possibly the biggest independent comic shop in the north. Yes, it's certainly one of the few left in the north that is actually a comics shop. Yeah. As opposed to a toy shop or a Funko shop or a gaming shop. Yeah. That sells comics. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lovely little shop as well. It's got 50p bins and reduced price graphic novels and yeah. downstairs. But I said to you when we went last week, what was interesting to me as someone, you know, who loves the comic shops, mm. not the everything else, their entire wall as you walk in is indie stuff. Yeah. Well, this goes into, I think the argument that kind of started this was, what was the argument saying? Like, you're paid to do a job. You've got to write something that is going to sell. We don't want your personal mm. things going in. Which... Okay, yeah, fair play. They're, they're paid to do something consistent. But at the same time, we're looking at an independent comic shop here that has not only kept up with the times, stayed successful, but also all of the comics are people telling their stories. Yeah. Because uh, you know, the argument from the retailer, whose name I've forgotten, was you write those, put yourselves in, and let's see if they sell. Yeah. Well, clearly, this comic shop is selling them. Now, some of them aren't about themselves. Two of them are autobiograph- autobiographies, biographies like, yeah. of like Freddie Mercury and David Bowie. Yeah. But the rest of them, certainly Zoe Thorogood's, is very autobiographical, yeah. isn't it? And it's a, it's it's you know it's it's a fair argument. You know, if you're coming in off the movies, you want to read Superman, Spider Man, yada yada. Mm-hmm. But that goes straight to the top. It's as we were saying. I think it is the the companies and the publishers that are letting down first and foremost. But I mean, I get what the guy's saying about it's the X-Men and Spider-Man are your weekly bread and butter. It's your monthly income. Yeah. Because if you only buy an independent thing, that's it then, your sale's over. But at the end of the day, when you go in and buy something, I was in, obviously I was in there and there was quite a few things I would have bought. The yeah. new Daredevil number one. Yeah. There was a couple like that. And I picked up Daredevil number one, it was £6.99. Really? For issue one. Double size? It was double size, but still, yeah. £6.99. Yeah. Whereas an Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, new hardcover is what? 15, 20 quid? And you pick, this is it as well. This is kind of what's killing it a bit. It's comics like four or five pounds, where your trades are about 12 pounds. Mm. Certainly Image always released the first trade. Yeah. As we'll discuss in a minute. <laughs> lovely listener. For a reduced price. Yeah. To reel you in. To get you in. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things as well. Like, as kind of disappointing as it is as a lot of you your big major comic shops now like forbidden planet and even your pseudo independent ones like traveling man are just shops that sell comics you've got to do what keeps you above you got above to, water well, the lights on yeah. okay comics probably get by because they are independent they are only the one you can do whatever you want and, and they've got a benefactor though yeah sean phillips will go because that yeah the comic shop he frequents he yeah. will do them extras whereas you know you've yeah, it does go to the top, and yeah, it does go to what the publisher publishing or what the creatives are writing. But at the same time, 
you've got to keep up with the times. You can't just have, you can't just own the same comic shop, keep it the same, and then complain that your sales are going down. Put some Funko in there. You might be selling out, but it'll keep you above a water. Forbidden Planet now have an entire shelf of just just Japanese sweets and all that stuff because that's what that's what your kids want. But it's gross and it's sellout, but it sells and it keeps you above water and maybe while they're in there they'll pick up a comet exactly, maybe not yeah. one at 6.99 for one issue you might not want to do it but you own a business you got to do what works well that's why i was impressed with okay that they'd managed to maintain being a comic book store yeah but it was very i thought that list of the best-selling graphic novels of the year was fascinating especially because they've got hard proof that hounters his argument yeah taylor so listen to him yeah. and obviously you've got he's american okay comics isn't Mm-hmm. Our readership Audiences are different, yeah. has always not just been superhero focused because that's yeah. not just the comics we had. Yeah. It could also be a possible result of the stranglehold superhero comics have had on the marketplace in America. Especially when you've got you consider the films as well. If people are getting a bit bored, they want to read comics, but they're bored of mm-hmm. what your big two are putting out, you've got more markets there. You know, for all of our bitching and moaning that I don't think Chip Starsky's current run on Batman is that good, really, it's yeah. still Mark DC's best-selling book, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, as a retailer, you would look at that and go, well, I don't really rate this at the minute, but it's selling. Yeah. But another one of his arguments, though, was um, variant covers. Right, yeah. And that that is a valid argument, because that is, well, how many of these do I order Yeah. for people? How many do I? How many copies do I want left on my shelf? Yeah. How many? If I buy fifty copies of Batman to get this one rare variant, am I going to ship those fifty copies of Batman? Yeah. Yeah. Or am I going to be left with forty-eight copies of Batman from the two people who buy it every month? And even then, that variant cover market doesn't exist for the retailer. It just exists for the reseller. Yeah. You're not benefiting your your, your shops then. No. You're benefiting the guy on eBay or the yeah. guy who slabs them. The variant covers are basically for the slabbers. Yeah. And that's... Don't get me started on slabbing. But no, it, there are, it is a valid argument. And I didn't like how everyone dogpiled on the guy. To me, that was bullying. And uh, to be fair on that, though, I don't think that it helped. I'm not being fair on bullying. No. The guy was saying, basically, you know, I need, as a retailer, I need the spine mm-hmm. to be strong. I need your fantastic film, I'm sorry, your X-Men, your Spider-Man, your Batman, your Superman yeah. to be bringing punters in every week yeah. whilst also selling these other graphic novels. That's what turned me off more than anything. They weren't listening to what he was saying. This is where I'd, it put me in the unfortunate place of agreeing with Mark Miller <laughs> right. in that they were bullying it. Yeah. They didn't listen to what he was saying. They bullied what he looked like. And Miller, to his credit, invited a bunch of different retailers yeah. on yeah. to have a conversation about it. So he, and again, in the binary world of Twitter, this wasn't <laughs> yeah. allowed. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, no, let's listen to some retailers. And Gail Simone came on yeah. and started saying, well, all right, some of what they were saying made sense. Yeah. That you doing a six-issue miniseries is great for you as a writer. That becomes one graphic novel. room. bring people back in next week. Yeah. And Gail Simona said, all right, well, maybe I will start looking at projects that are monthly books that I will do for five years. Yeah. And let's see if that makes a difference. Will that bring people back in? Yeah. Because Tom Brovoot on his Substack has said, there is no evidence that that makes a difference to sales. That you right. can keep the same creative team on a book every week. Sorry, every month. Yeah, yeah. And it will just stag- It'll keep the same numbers. 
But maybe keeping those same numbers is enough to keep the lights on. Immortal yep. Hulk being yeah. the prime example. Those two people, uh, was it Joe Bennett did the art? Yeah. Joe Bennett and Al Ewan yeah. stayed on that book for 50 issues. Yeah. And that, as far as I can see, stayed a steady seller for 50 issues. Well, that's what you want. You don't want the the spikes of your number ones and then you, you, want, you want consistent. Yeah. And I don't understand there seems to be this need for more and more consistent you want steady you want to float i mean i'd I'd be there for chip starsky's lengthy run on batman if i thought it was any good yeah but i skipped gotham war because of that page that leaked of catwoman taking the side of that ridiculously stupid twitter argument that bruce you spent all your money on toys when you could have been helping with social causes and he doesn't turn around and say selena you know i am I do do social causes. Well, that's that's one of the kind of like gross misinterpretations of Batman. Yeah. I think of the last recent years, yeah. the 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 Bruce Wayne that I grew up with had his own charities. He had his own foundations. He funded he orphanages. orphanages. Yeah, but, he funded Leslie Phillips's free clinics. Yeah, but I think a lot of that has it's, it's been lost. I think around the time that the. Uh, the the thingy films came out. Yeah, the, the Nolan films, films. And, and Michael Bailey says, and the Arkham games, which basically made Batman into I walk around and punch people. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only Batman these people know because they haven't read the comics, they haven't watched the animated series, they've played the games. And then you get that cycle of well, now that's what your comics are about yeah. as well. So and speaking just... of Michael Bailey, he's literally just texted, "Merry Christmas to you and the rest of the family." There you go. Tom Panarese, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Lots of people have said Merry Christmas. These are just texting us as we're recording. So don't feel left out if you're not mentioned. I'm not looking at my phone. They've just popped up. Go on. Um, No, so so that's that's kind of cycling back into it. So then now that your media is saying that, well, then your fans are going to start saying that. And then Mm. all of a sudden you've lost one of the more interesting things about him. And that, I mean, I've been saying this for ages. Bruce Wayne died a long time ago and you've suddenly lost the most interesting thing about Batman. Yeah, well, all the stuff that uh, Denny and Neil introduced about him meditating and studying mental yeah. agility as much as physical agility, that's kind of all been lost, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's like, well, as we were discussing, so, <laughs> um, kind of very tangentially as we were watching the most recent Godzilla film, um, loads of people were just saying, no, we don't care about the people side, we just want the big monster. Well, no, that doesn't make it interesting. If you... No, what was interesting about the new Godzilla thing was, was, the, the, people. was the people. So if you have Batman, but you get rid of Bruce Wayne, you've lost the interest in yeah. Well, this always goes back to what we talked about years ago, about why I hated Brian Michael Bendis' writing. Right. Was that he did not subscribe to the idea of a secret identity. It's dumb. It's <laughs> stupid. Yeah. It doesn't work. It wouldn't work in real life. And you just want to grab him by the lapels and say, what, and everything else about Batman would work in real life. Does it matter? Where do you get your drama from? If you're just you, if you're just writing superheroes with no social life, no private life, nothing yeah. like that, all you've got is old image comics. Yeah, you've not got anything. I've said this before. We came for Spider Man. We stayed for Peter Parker. Yeah, that's why we kept reading that book. Yeah, and as much again as I'm not enjoying the new Amazing Spider Man run consistently, I think that occasionally there are moments where it's really really good. Mm-hmm. It's a top seller. Yeah. It is selling for Marvel. I think it may be Marvel's best-selling ongoing monthly. Right. Like Batman is for DC. Yeah. So if Batman and DC, Batman and DC, sorry, if Batman and Spider-Man are providing this consistency, mm. this comes back to this retail again. So what's your problem? Yeah. Where, where's your real issue? Yeah. 
And well, as re- we're not retailers, so we don't know. But it also, the kind of question to there with what I would say is, does that boil down to it's the problem with the product or is it the problem with how you're selling it? Yeah. Is, is it your problem or our problem? Is the conversation Mark Miller invited on to have. Yeah. And I may actually watch his video. Right. And I've watched a few, I don't mind his videos because he's literally just interviewing creators. Yeah. And I'll watch pretty much all of them, whether it's creators I like or don't like. I watched his Dandy Dio one, that was fun. Right. The John Romita Jr. one, there's yeah. one or two people he'd have on there that... I'm not going to support. Yeah. But mostly, I'm interested in what these people have to say, whether they are ones I like or don't like. Yeah. Because that's how you get new ideas. And like if Gail Simone was open to it mm. and she didn't slag the guy off. Yeah. Which you can't say about all the comic creators and writers. Some yeah. of them were quite vile. Yeah. And not just from from the other side. Yeah. No, I know. I, 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 I know. I know. Yeah. And I've got, as you well know, and you haven't either. I've got no truck with bullying. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. This poor retailer had put his thoughts out there, and people dogpiled on it. Whether you agree with him or not, yeah. disagree with him properly. Yeah. Otherwise, you were as bad as the people that you say you disagree with. Oh yeah. But that's it, isn't it? It's all very binary and extreme binary at that. Yeah. Twitter's just I'm glad it's dying. Because it's an abhorrent place for the most part. Some nice people, though. (laughs) But it is quite an abhorrent place. Uh, I'm going to cover the next three quite quickly because they're all, you know, of a similar ilk. Your girlfriend bought me Doctor Who, the Zygon Inversion, a target novel uh, from Peter Harness, which adapted the Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion, which is a two part Peter Capaldi episode. I love the little target book. So there's two of them I've still not got, but they're releasing three more. Right. In January of the three specials David Tennant's done, and they're releasing an adaptation of the Christmas special that airs in about three hours. Okay. Whether that's going to be a target book, I don't know, because that's been solicited as a hardcover. And I've seen the cover, it doesn't follow the same. But format. I very much think that the paperback will be a target novel. Right, okay. okay. I think this, they're saying you don't have to have the other target novels. Right. Shooter Gap was come in. Right. Completely new era. Okay. So we're not doing anything else with that. So that's good. I'll just pop that doom there. And the other two books your mum bought me were the next two Firefly hardcovers, Carnival by Una McCormick and Firefly by MK... Firefly, What Makes Us Mighty by MK England, which go to my collection of Firefly hardcovers. Um, So far, the ones by James Lovegrove have been the better ones. Right. And neither of these are by James Lovegrove. But Una McCormack has a track record. I've never heard of MK England. Are they all pre-Serenity? They are... Some of them are set in... this. Both of these are set within the series, which is starting to get a bit dull. Right, yeah. But Lovegrove's last one took place after. Right, okay. So that's interesting. I'd, I'd rather they go forward now, because let's be honest, it's not coming back. Yeah. In any configuration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At all. I mean, it may get rebooted at some point, but I don't see how. Yeah. Let's be honest. It was a failed 13 episode TV show 20 years ago. (laughs) And now only a few people remember. And now no one really cares much for the creator. So it's kind of. It's kind of like just leave it alone. Yeah. If you want to carry it on for the audience that's heard you with his books and leave it. Although I'm sure the cast would come back every now and again. Next. Uh, So, yeah, continuing the literary theme. Um, the 150th anniversary annotated edition of the Penguin Classics Deluxe Edition. This one's from Mum. Louisa May Alcott's Little Women, which I'm not ashamed to admit, I'm a big fan of Little Women. women. Uh, I annually watch the Greta Gerwig film just to have a big old cry. Uh, (laughs) 
And this is a, a this is a really nice addition. Uh, Penguin Deluxe Editions do these nice, uh, quite sturdy paperbacks with mm. your serrated edges and different illustrators and artists designing the covers. I already have the Rashomon one that I bought a couple of years back. Uh, I don't remember reading that. Or I certainly didn't come to the same conclusion you did. No, I don't remember it that way. Um, but uh what's funny it's the same old jokes what's what's kind of funny is last time we were in uh waterstones uh last week we were looking at these books now i'd already we were going like oh mom have you have you got that copy of dracula she's like no i've not got that one and i was like oh well, i kind of fancy this little one it's quite a nice one da, da, da. we'd already bought each other them anyway we just didn't we just didn't know it we just didn't know well, it. i just stood there because i knew it <laughs> I knew what you'd bought each other. But I'm I'm really looking forward to rereading this. I think I might have read this in college, uh, but I'm a I'm a big fan of the film, so I'm very much looking forward to this. Mm. I'm half tempted to pick up the uh Pride and Prejudice one that they did, just because I like some period pieces. Well, you're arguing with this as well as this was written by a woman the time. Yeah. It's uh, very easy to go back and be feminist about something after the fact. Yeah, so a lot of people at work, you know, I've kind of told them about it. it's like oh, I, I do quite like some Jane Austen stuff I do really like Little Women it's like oh well you know have you watched other stuff like you know Downton Abbey and Bridgeton I was like well no I'm not interested in that these are like Elizabeth from Pride and Prejudice and Joe March the sharp women written by someone who was fighting for feminist rights at the time it's very easy to go back and go well we all should have lived like this and no this should have been it but you're saying that and I know things aren't perfect now mm. but you know it was much worse back then and they're just they're just really comfy little little women, less so. It's not exactly the most comfiest of novels. Well, something to the Empire podcast. Um, Florence Pugh's character dies in a hail of bullets. Well, Florence Pugh doesn't. You're thinking of Beth, that yeah. baby. Is it? God. You read up on the plights, the trials oh, and tribulations okay. of the, the march. All I remember about little women is Saul Goodman's in it. <laughs> does that does him arriving not take you out of it no the bit where he comes in and goes my little women and they all hug him brings a tear to my eye because i'm like except sir sharona sir sharona <laughs> sir sharona yeah yeah and i can accept florence Pooh and they all disappear into the roles and all that stuff yeah. and then saul goodman shows up <laughs> it's the only film where i actually look at timothy charlemagne and go right He's not a bad actor, actually. Everything else, everything else. The new Wonka, he lacks any form of whimsy. He dresses, he dresses like Gonzo. But but in 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 in, in, Dune, in Dune, he's dull. But in, he's, he is a bit boring. He's, he's, a, he's a charming little boy and little women. I think he's got a, the least flashy role in Dune. Though. He does. He does. You know, Jason Momoa's got a couple of good lines, and Oscar yeah. Isaac's has a good role. And yeah. But yeah, Timothy Chalamet. But you've got to remember as well where Dune goes. Well, yeah, which I don't want to spoil. He'll turn into a big old. But if you did not like the end of Game of Thrones because you like Pretty Little Daenerys and you called your daughter Pretty Little Daenerys, you're not going to like where Timothy Chalamet goes in Dune. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but yes, Little Women, and I found out they did sequels actually called Little Men. Now I don't. Uh, about the plights of young that boys at the time. unfortunate as a title. Little, little men, yeah. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Right, my next two. Uh, Walking Dead volumes 15 and 16. Yes. Oh, it's, it's it now. And that's it. I have completed my hardcover Walking Dead. These have been out for years. And me and your mum have been constantly, we need to get them to finish the collection because yep. it's always the later ones that go out of print. Yeah, oh yeah. And become very expensive As to we know. Uh, what's that? 
Um, so, yeah, so she's finally got them. The, the, we fell off because both of us got bored of the TV show. Your mum stuck with it longer than me. Yeah, and the, I got bored of the comics. I didn't get bored of the comics, but I got bored of the TV show, which inadvertently bled into the comics. Yeah. And now that it's a finite thing, as we talked about with manga earlier on, yeah, it's it's there now forever and always. And you know that at least you're going somewhere with yeah. it. Yeah, and it ends. It, it comes to a definitive conclusion. You've got these 16 volumes and it's done. Yeah. And the TV show lost me when they had a clear shot at Negan. Right. And didn't take it. Because the show needed to continue. Because Andrew Lincoln was leaving. Right. And they wanted to keep Negan around. But they knew that Andrew Lincoln was staying on for the films anyway. Well, that's still not happened. I think it's the first one not out yet. No idea. Right. As okay. far as I know, it isn't. Right. But the TV show has now come to an end. And yeah. the minute that they did that, the show lost me. Because in every other iteration, they've took that shot. Yeah. They've not been shy about killing off characters. Right. And it's always felt, even when it was shocking, like with Glenn. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where they lost a lot of people. Right. I think they went too far with that. And I know it was authentic to the comic. Violence is different in a comic. It is different right. watching a character that you love get the get his eyeball popped out right. on screen. Oh yeah, okay. And I, I honestly think I'd love to hear from listeners right. if I'm right. I think they lost a lot of people though. I think that was too much. See, I don't know, because I obviously hadn't watched up until that point, but I that is the show though. If you're saying Yeah, but they'd never lovingly lingered on the violence as much as they did in that. So they they knew what they were doing, yeah. killing him off in that way. Yeah, they knew yeah. exactly what they were doing, but I think they over they underestimated the audience's tolerance for it. I think there's a subsection of the people who made that show who thought we were only there for the violence and the gore. Right. And it turns out there was a lot of people who weren't there for that. It was part of it, and they accepted it was part of it, but they were there for the drama and the zombies and all that stuff. And that, like, level of horror movie gore... Right. Of, and who it was happening to... Right. And how it was happening, and that Negan was enjoying it, and then they wanted us to turn around and accept Negan as the new lead in the show. I mean, I, I'd kind of argue in that case, you're kind of watching the wrong show for well, that. It's, 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 it's like Game of Thrones. If you're... You can't watch a show that kills off your main character in the first season and then complain when they kill off another main character No, but I'm not on, complaining because they killed off a main character. It's how they did I'm it. I'm complaining at how much they lingered on the loving killing of that character. Right. It was like Saw level. Right, right, right. And I think they underestimated people's tolerances. I honestly believe, I don't know, I can't back this up with empirical data, but I think that's where they lost a lot of people. And it wouldn't surprise me if you looked at a graph, Yeah. if that's where the ratings started going. Was the reason that they did it not because they'd previously done a bait and switch where they'd killed him off and then gone, surprise, he's okay. Possibly. So then they had to be like, no, we're being real now. And, and maybe there was a part of them like, no, we're going to do the comics a service. We're going to adapt that scene from the comic. Yeah. But there's loads of other places they deviated from the comics. Yeah, yeah. And they could have done it without that level of violence porn. Right. And you know, I've got quite a high tolerance for that kind of thing. Right, okay. But I felt I felt they went too far, though. Okay. That was just what I thought. But anyway, the comics are over with. I'm going to finish reading it now. Yeah. I'm never going to go back and watch the series. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. Fun. Apart from now that you've got them all, is The Walking Dead really one of those series that you kind of see yourself rereading? Oh, no, honestly. Because I've never had it all. Yeah. I, I don't know whether... 
I can't. I don't know. I don't know whether Robert Kirkman kept it going on too long and it lost some of its luster. Because it's one of those we've discussed kind of how formulaic it gets, and I kind of feel like once I worked out the formula, I was like, well, I don't care now. But you've also I have got no... the thing as well that you when once you realise, no, Rick's the toxic one. Yeah. He'll show up at these communities that are working just fine without him. Yeah. And he shows up with his band of merry men, yeah. takes over and screws it up. And then it all goes to tits and then it happens again. And, then he, and it's the realisation that, no, you are the walking yeah. dead. <laughs> but I feel like once I kind of clicked onto that is what it is and wait, how it's happened so many times, it's just not only do I not feel the feel compelled to carry on reading it, I don't think I've ever felt compelled to go back and reread. I've always felt I've felt I should go back and give it a and give it a reread and see if it holds up on its own. Yeah, and I, that's what I will. I don't know that people talk about it as much anymore. Well, they've but started reprinting. They them are in reprinting them in color, and it's but, still going. Yeah, but apart from when that first started again, I just, that's flown under the radar a bit. But it's they're still doing it, Do I, well, so it must be selling. Well, yeah. But it's like, um, what else did they colorize? Scott Pilgrim. Well, Scott, I think that's different because that's just six. Yeah, it's only six volumes, but yeah. they republished it in color and people bought it all again. Which it's which is weird because especially now that you've got the when you got the film out, people wanted to read the color ones. You've mm. now got the the new cartoon out, so people are only buying the color. It's weird. I don't get people who outright refuse to enjoy black and white media. Yeah. Well. Well, as we'll talk about in Gundam. Yeah, I'm loving this teasing. <laughs> All right, what have you got? Finally and forever. Uh, so the next one is from you, or I'm going to assume it's from you anyway. Well, mostly, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, is all five or all five for now? Yeah, unless they release any more, but we don't know yet. Of the Ed Brubaker and Reckless, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, Reckless graphic novels. Um, because we would, I think we were discussing last time. They've now just started doing, uh kind of graphic novels instead of monthlies, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and these are on nice hardbacks, colouring by uh, Jacob Phillips as well. And I, I don't know anything about this other than that, that they just did it, and I'm still reading through Criminal and Fatal, so uh, it's good to know that I've got the material to... The dogs have joined, and that's <laughs> going to be in the background for the last five minutes. You'll just have to deal with it. So it's good to know that I've got reading material to carry on after I've finished They won't Criminal. take you long. Yeah. Because they are easy reads, but they're all very, very good. There's one of them that I felt didn't work as well as the other. I think... Have you got them in order, though? Yeah. Is the Top ghost the in you the fourth one? Yeah. I think it's that one. The one that focuses on his secretary. Right. I think that one didn't work for me as well as the others. Okay. But that's like saying, you know, Return of the Jedi is not as good as The Empire Strikes Back. Right. I mean, it's only... One of five. Yeah. They can't all be winners. All the rest of them are perfectly fine. Okay. So that's all right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that leads in to my last, well, almost my last one. <laughs> my last one, technically, uh, is you bought me the first two volumes of That Texas Blood by yes. Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips, who is Sean Phillips's son. This is on the heels of, as at the aforementioned OK Comics uh, last week, in the one-pound bins, yeah. I picked up every issue of the Enfield Gang Massacre, apart from the new issue, fifth issue, which I yeah. had to buy full price because it only just come out. Uh, and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It is. We're covering it. 
Right, okay. So the final issue is is out on January 17th. Yeah. I presume it'll be followed by a trade. Uh, it is well worth buying. Well, I fancied reading it because I'd heard a lot about it. But because I know that it kind of spins off on this. I know it stands on its own. It's but Yeah, it, it takes place in the same place. Yeah. So I wanted I wanted to kind of read these first to, to give it context. And when we were... I think I, I looked into every comic shop when I went into... Thought Bubble, when he was there, I thought I'd pick it up there, but they only had volume two and three. Yeah, and with uh, Enfield Guy Masker, he didn't have issue one because it had yeah. sold out. And then looking for where the body was, which I was going to buy you, obviously they couldn't have it. Yeah. So I saw those and I saw volume one. And I was like, well, right, I'm going to get that. And then you were standing there looking over it going, oh, I don't know if I'd have these or not, or if I'd track down the single issues. I was like, well, you're getting it anyway. So. Oh, I've got it now. So it is what it is. And like we said, volume one is only $9.99. In comparison to volume two, sixteen ninety I'll have to get the third volume now, but my sister, like I say, has bought me an Amazon voucher, so I'll probably buy the third volume of this. Yeah. And where the bodies are. Right, okay. I'll get those. You get that both voucher. anyway. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading all three of them, because like the Enfield, Enfield, what's it, Gang Massacre? Yeah. Enfield Crisis Massacre. <laughs> it's literally one of the best comics I've read this year. Okay. Absolutely fantastic. And at the back, not only does it have a letters page, yeah. for a play to Chris Condon, <laughs> It's got a scannable QR code for Forget the music oh, right, okay. that goes with the issue. Right. And it's got a newspaper article written in 1996 yeah. uh, giving you the background on the investigation that led into reopening the case of the Enfield Gang Massacre. Right, okay. And I'll say no more because you're going to read them. Right, right, right. But it's absolutely brilliant stuff. And it's... Only like three ninety nine an issue because it's printed on newsprint, which is cool. Okay, but that just makes it even better. Yeah, and the only problem I've got is because right. I bought the second print of issue one, it it's got a different up. cover, right? Yeah, yeah, and all the covers are one long. Yeah, all six covers will make a big widescreen picture, and I don't have the first issue now. Oh, they wrap around as well. Do they? The last one links back, to, link the back to the first one. Yeah. So that's irritated me. <laughs> but what do I want for a quid? That's true. I got essentially the first four issues. For the cost of one. Yeah. So I'm not going to complain about that. That would be churlish. So that is more or less everything we got for Crimbo this year, except for your mum also bought me Spider-Man The Clone Saga Omnibus Volume 1. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't come out till January. Right. But she's bought it for me and she gave me a printout <laughs> of the cover to say, look, I bought you this. It's not out yet. I remember she did that once. I think uh, when I had The Witcher 3, but that was a pre-order, so she got emptied out a PS4 case and put a yeah, print out of it. She's very good at stuff like that. And I've ended up with a copy of The Making of Aliens by J.W. Rinsler, only because I got it for your girlfriend, Dana, along with The Making of Alien, and she's got this one. Her friend, her friend it bought yeah, it, so yeah. I've ended up with a copy by default. <laughs> so so... Which is result... Oh, I suppose, yeah, it's a result, really. Uh, so that's it. That's it for our, our Christmas Lollapalooza. That's what you want to call it. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I hope you all have a lovely Christmas and a very quiet and relaxing new year. And eventually we'll we'll uh, stop doing this so there's dogs in the background. <laughs> Next time, we know we're doing Gundam. We're doing we do. the first volume of Gundam The Origin. Yes. I've already read it and written notes. Michael's gone to town on it. Well, yeah. Uh, after that, Star Trek Planet of the Apes. Right. Which you've still to read, because the plan is we're going to record all these over Christmas if we get the chance. We love to do Gundam. We're a bit delayed on doing the Gundam, simply because the weekend we did it, I had to have the dog 
but your dogs had fleas. Yes. And then we just never found the time to do it after that. We were going to do it again, and you, we were going somewhere. We ended up going Something out somewhere. Like that, so, yeah. And then we ended up going. So watching, as of this yeah. recording, you've not got a January episode. So so much for constantly being in advance. We'll, we'll have to catch up. <laughs> so if we do get to do these two, you've got a January and February episode. Though. But anyway, all that remains is for us to say a happy Christmas. And a Merry New Year. Merry it's the other way around, isn't it? Merry <laughs> Christmas works. and Happy New Year. Or whatever. Whatever denomination you are. We don't care, do we? We're not bothered. Whatever you celebrate, I hope you enjoy it. Have a peaceful and quiet and relaxing time of year. And we will be back with more of this kind of thing. Yeah. If this kind of thing is what you like in the new year. Take and care. if it's not, we'll carry on anyway. And if it's not, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> we'll talk into the void. <laughs> Right, okay, okay. Thank you very much. See you again real soon. Hurrah. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production and hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of the hosts and no one else. The free-to-use music that closes and opens the show was the sci-fi cyberbunk trailer by somebody called Stringer Bell on the pixabay.com free-to-use website. Thank you very much to him. If you would like to support the show, you can buy Michael and I, or both of us, or one of us, a coffee. Go to co-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash alayland. In one month, an all-new episode of Hey Kids Comics, coming in your ears. It's a date.